You are listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Should the government give out free generic medication to treat hypertension? The question says it all, and while the answer may seem simple, the topic often leads to more questions. Today, we'll take a closer look. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and joining me today is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, Vice President of the American College of Cardiology and Chief of the Division of Cardiology at Temple University School of Medicine. We're also joined by Dr. Bill Santamor, a cardiovascular physiologist who has spent most of his academic career helping to direct research in cardiology and cardiothoracic surgery sections. Welcome, doctors. Uh, thank you for inviting us. Dr. Beauvais, would you care to educate some of our listeners as to the long-term consequences of having hypertension? Well, I think we've, we've seen recently some very large initiatives, both in the United States and in other countries of the world, in, in, including uh, third-world countries, to try to control hypertension. I think finally be, people are beginning to realize that this is one of the major causes of, of long-term morbidity and mortality, and it's beginning to become apparent that that the ravages of hypertension are probably going to exceed infectious disease morbidities and mortalities in the near future, so that there's a, a tremendous interest in trying to manage hypertension on a large scale worldwide. I think that's a, that's a goal that everybody should be uh, reaching for. Dr. Santamore, how big a problem is this? What kind of numbers are we talking about? Well, in the U.S., we're talking about 70 million American adults have hypertension, of which you know, roughly a third, a third, a third, a third, don't recognize that they have hypertension, a third are not effectively treated, maybe a third are effectively treated. I've always wanted to have two cardiologists on the phone and ask this question. How can every human being be required to have the same blood pressure of 130 over 80? Well, you know, I'm not sure you have to think of it in that term. First of all, we'd live with different blood pressures across the age spectrum. A, a, a child should not have 130 over 80. Obviously, there's lower blood pressures in children, which are goals. And in the elderly, and we're going to see many more elderly, particularly, uh, I, I would guess, in developed countries initially and other countries as well, we can probably live with slightly higher uh, systolic blood pressures because of stiffness of the vascular system. That's not to say we'd tolerate blood pressures above 140 or 150, but I think in many cases I see physicians being willing to tolerate numbers in the low 130s, for example, in a patient over the age of 80, uh, rather than start to complicate their life with side effects of excessive amounts of medication. So do either of you think that our government should be involved in treating people's high blood pressure? You know, the government already is assuming the bad consequences of hypertension. They get the individuals when they're older, either in Medicare or Medicaid, and they're paying for these consequences of the myocardial infarctions, the strokes, and the renal failure. So they are already taking the responsibility of the high cost end of the bad outcomes. And what they haven't done is devote any effort into the prevention. So, yes, I think the government should get involved. An ounce of prevention here would definitely transplant to more than a few pounds of cure. Yes. Dr. Beauvais, do you agree? I basically agree, yes, because, you know, if you look at cost. And we see this all the time. The cost of a, in, in our area, North Philadelphia, where there's a lot of uh, uninsured patients, uh, where we have a patient in the hospital with some complication of hypertension, such as a stroke, send the patient home, give them enough medication for two weeks. We see the patient back two months later with another admission with another stroke because they couldn't afford their medication. So, I mean, a stroke admission for whoever has to pay for it, and it may not be the government, it may be the health system has to pay for it and start to start to go bankrupt, it would be a heck of a lot cheaper to just give the patient the medication instead of 
having a thirty or forty thousand dollar hospital admission. Medicine's a lot cheaper than that. So, are you aware of any other countries that are giving out free medicine? Uh, I'm not, uh, Bill. Uh, do you have any? In Europe, clearly they they are uh, they have general health care that's taken care of by the government, where and where prevention is much more important. I had a little side story where I'm up in Vancouver, Canada, and and they are concerned about sunburn up there when I stopped at one of the beaches. So there's very little effort here on prevention. You know, the cost of a diuretic and the cost of a generic beta blocker seems very affordable to most people. Uh, apparently, though, it's still too expensive. Well, if you if you have no money at all, you know, even that cost gets beyond what your capacity is. And uh, many of the uninsured or underinsured really don't have drug plans that will even cover the, the, the fundamental cost of those those drugs. Those are very inexpensive generic drugs. But even there, if you're you're talking fifteen twenty dollars a month, that that even gets beyond some people. Another aspect here is that it could be a a campaign to say there's no excuses now for not taking care of your hypertension. Right. The medicine is free. No excuse. Doctors, what current generic medications are available to treat hypertension? There's been a number of important studies over the past four or five years that identified some generic medications that seem to be pretty efficacious. Uh, The diuretic beta blocker combination is one, and that was a study done in the United States called AllHat a number of years ago. And there was was a number of studies done in Australia and New Zealand that used the combination of a calcium channel blocker and an an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, an angiotensin receptor blocker. I, I think all of those combination calcium channel blocker, ACE, or diuretic beta blocker, any of those could be used and might even be put up as choices so that different kinds of patients that respond to different therapies could, could be tailored a little bit. But uh, those, those are the combinations of drugs that seem to be the most effective on a large-scale basis and can be generated in low-cost generics. So we need low trail to go generic soon. Yes. Dr. Santamore, uh, any other medicines you see helping? I think Fred has covered the basic ones very well. How do you guys envision this program being implemented? I had an idea on this. It really requires a little bit of re-engineering. We might, in addition to giving out the medicine for free and having uh, advertising campaigns behind that, may also want to see if there's some type of uh, clinic visits that can be arranged. If you have it uh, at the Walmarts or the drugstores that are beginning to do this, so that even the initial visit becomes a lower price point. And again, I think the the advantage of giving the medicine out is not only to reduce hypertension in patients, but to make it no excuse for people to not have the hypertension controlled. It's obvious what the cost-effectiveness would be if they're getting the medicine for free and they're actually getting their care for free. Obviously, that would translate into better outcomes. Could we apply this to other Disease states. I mean, what about giving out or going over the, well, not over the counter, but let's, what about giving out generic statins or free statins? Well, we've been through that argument about a year and a half ago because in England, in fact, they did approve simvastatin as an over-the-counter, well, let's call it a behind-the-counter drug. You had to at least tell the pharmacist you wanted it, and they would ask a few questions, but there was no physician involved. A lot of controversy about that in the United States, and I think many of the people opposed to it were concerned about statin side effects, particularly those related to muscle injury. So there are two sides to it. I think with the antihypertensin drugs, I think the side effect concerns are probably less than the statin drugs, but I think the same issues arise. People will will raise concerns about overdosing of the medication, about the patient not fully understanding the the proper responses. Now, I, I will say with blood pressure, the patients can measure their own blood pressure. It's not as easy to measure your own um, LDLs, for example, but they can measure their own blood pressure at home to get what I would call some feedback on their care. 
So I think the, there are some differences. I actually uh, wrote an editorial in CardioSource, uh, the, the website that I managed, basically agreeing with the, the concept of making statins over-the-counter. I think there was still a lot of opposition to that, but my sense is that that will occur, again, because there's so much of a need for management of lipids as a risk factor. I think the same with antihypertensives. If they're over-the-counter, that would be a first step. Um, if they're developed as a campaign for managing hypertension, that would be a second step with free distribution. I'm a lipidologist, and one of my worries is that people would take these over-the-counter statins, but nobody would be getting to goal because they wouldn't get their LDLs low enough. And again, they'd, they would definitely need to be monitored for side effects. And if you apply that to antihypertensives, would we have to be giving out free bananas with each diuretic we give to patients? Then we'd be getting into the food business. I'm very sensitive to the fact that when you use a diuretic for antihypertensive, you do have to start watching out for potassium. That, that's one of the reasons you might want to use a different combination of medications to, to avoid sort of downstream additions of, uh, you know, you, you, get your, you get your pills in a box of raisins each time or your pills in a glass of orange juice each time. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good question. I'm not sure we have an answer to it yet. Do we have any lobbies or organizations out there that are pushing to get our government to dispense free medicines? Bill, I, I'm not aware of anybody. Neither am I. Yeah. Sounds like, once again, America is behind the eight ball in terms of doing what's best for its constituents. This whole idea of giving out some of this medication for free and maybe ha reengineering some of the clinic visits and follow-ups may be an interim step. There's a lot of discussion right now of universal health coverage, and it, that may be more financially restraining than the government can take on right now. Maybe some prevention measures in the meantime are at least the first step to at least better health in this country. So what can we do next, gentlemen? How can we get involved to get our government thinking in this pattern of thought? I think it has to come from the patients. There's so many interests in, in, in the United States, and it's, the wonder, it's a wonderful system we live in because everybody has a voice. But on the other hand, sometimes the, the voices can't get together to come up with conclusions. It seems to me that it, it's got to come from the patients. The patients have to realize that they may be better off with antihypertensive medication versus a, uh, a whole-body MRI scan, for example, which is a very attractive thing that patients like, or ultrasound studies of older blood vessels. They may be better off getting just medication to prevent things, but uh, we haven't educated our patients in that way yet. So that, that, to me, would be the most important thing, is get the patients used to helping in their care management. And once they do that, they'll begin to ask for the tools. Dr. Santamore, we're about out of time. Anything you'd like to add before we leave? Well, the American College of Cardiology may be able to present some sessions or some focused discussions in these areas about what to do next. Well, I'd like to thank our guests for joining us today, Dr. Alfred Beauvais and Dr. Bill Santamore. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. This is Dr. Alfred Beauvais, and I would like to state that the opinions you've heard are my personal opinions and not those of the American College of Cardiology.